Hey everyone, it's Corey, and this episode is a little bit different. This is our first three-bottle episode. It's our first rosé instead episode. So we're going to break this one up a little bit. Today you're going to hear side A of The Stranger, which is our bottle of white, and then next week you will hear side B, which is our bottle of red and our bottle of rosé instead. All right, with that said, enjoy the work of The Piano Man and the work of our podcast. Welcome to Bottle of White, Bottle of Red, the podcast that pairs the albums of Billy Joel with fine wines. From Cold Spring Harbor to the River of Dreams, grab a glass of your favorite vino and let's dive into the work of the Piano Man. A bottle of white, a bottle of red, I want you just the way you are. They're the faces of a stranger, but we love to try them on. Welcome to Bottle of White, Bottle of Red, the podcast where we go through the albums of Billy Joel and pair them with fine wine. I'm Corey Cavan. And I am Bill Grandberg. How Bill, are you, Corin? I'm good. I just said Corin. Uh, well, I'm good, Billin. Um, new names. New names. Corin and Billin, your new host for We're Strangers. Yeah. Host for The Stranger. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, as always, starting off with a bang. Boom. Uh, yeah. So uh, today, I just said it. I think we're like into our journey a little bit. And I think that this is a super high point. And today we are covering the Billy Joel album, The Stranger. 1977 release. Um, arguably his biggest album in terms of sales, in terms of chart placement, in mm-hmm. terms of number of songs that are considered hits. Yep. Huge album. And uh, very exciting for us specifically because the name of our podcast comes from a lyric on this album. So yep. we've kind of uh, hit the, I don't know what you call that. We've hit our uh, <laughs> name. What I just said. Our, yeah, we hit we just, <laughs> our namesake. Uh, our, yeah, our, our namesake. Our, I don't know if it's like our seminal. I don't know if this is, it's not really our uh, seminal. Our titular lyric. Yeah, our titular lyric. That's what we've hit. Sure. Okay, well, before we get into it, this mm-hmm. podcast is called Bottle of White, Bottle of Red. Someone on the Instagram recently, mm-hmm. a, another wine podcast asked, asked, they said, "Are is this really a wine podcast? And oh, it yeah. absolutely is a wine podcast. For sure. Here to tell us about the wine that we are starting side A with for our the stranger. Of white. Our bottle of white. Here to tell us about our bottle of white, Catherine from Celery Wines in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. Catherine? Corey and Bill, this is Catherine from Celery to talk about wines for the best album by Billy Joel, The Stranger. So the white wine we have today to pair with the A-side is a Vernaccia di San Gimignano from Australia. This is a small family winery working organically on the Tyrrhenian coast of Tuscany. Sandier soils here, um, a lot of influence of the sea. Vernaccia is a native grape to uh, this area in Italy. And actually, this was the very first region to gain the DOC title in the 1970s. Um, San Gimignano is the actual area. The wine itself is really silky and saline. You get a little subtle citrus thing going on. It goes on forever and ever. 2015 is the current vintage, and I think it's just an excellent shape, and I hope you enjoy. Okay, Catherine, thank you very much. She's so nice. Catherine's so nice. I just love, I love her little cheery uh, explanations. And, I know. Yeah. I loved, so, in, yeah, I loved, I loved in the first episode where she ends by saying, ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao. 
Um, so uh, yeah. So, so here so, I am. I, I am. I'm holding. Yep. This uh, wine in my hand. This uh, Ostrea mm-hmm. uh, Renaccia di San Jimmy Jang- Jimmy Django. Jimmy yeah. Changa. Yeah. I believe it's a chimichanga wine. It's a chimichanga. Um, very exciting. Yeah. Um, let's get into it. Yeah. I, I feel like, you know, for another Italian wine, mm-hmm. which is uh, fair because the, the, the song is scenes from an Italian restaurant. So mm-hmm. good thing that we're mm-hmm. having an Italian wine here. Um, it looks good. It's been chilled. Uh, 13% alcohol by volume. As we've said in the past, that's a little on the high side for a white. Yeah. And uh, I'm excited to try this. So what's interesting, I mentioned this, I think, either in the first or second episode, but I said I'm I'm a foil ripper. If, I, if there's foil yeah. on top, I just rip it off. And I I unsheath it. I pull it right off. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Same I deal. Pull okay. it, unsheath it. Yeah. Sorry. Unsheath is such a erotic word. No, it it's really a, is. It, <laughs> it really is. is. I love um, to unsheath my wines. Um, no, I yeah, I unsheath it. I pull it off. Yeah. But what I've noticed, and this has been recently, sometimes the wines like glue the foil on so that you can't really do that. Ugh. Or maybe it's it's this DOCG. Oh, um, it might be the DOC label. Yeah, yeah. It might be that. Which, by the way, we'll get into it in a future episode. Is uh, the international um, like? It's like the wine cops. Kind of. Yeah, yeah they're, it's, they're, it's, they're kind of like the border patrol of wines, I guess. I like that. Yeah. Dude, that's our new show, Wine Cops. Wine Cops. <laughs> <laughs> wine boys, wine boys. Oh, what you gonna do? Oh, what you gonna do when DOC comes for you? Wine boys, wine boys. All right. Ain't nobody give you no tannins. <laughs> um, All right. Okay, so uh, I'm, I've, I've cut the foil in the proper uh, sommelier fashion. Yep. And I'm about to open it. As we said, it, the most important part of uh, our show and, and how we get our fine ASMR listeners to tune in is the uh, the pop of the cork. So here we go. Here we go. Get ready. This pop is about to happen. Oh, yeah. Lovely. Okay. So here we are. Um, let's pour it for Corey. God, listen to that. That's delicious. Yep. Um, for it for me nice hefty pour and um let's do a little uh chin 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 all right take a take a quick sip mm. interesting really interesting mm. almost like almost like an oaky chardonnay taste sort almost of. it definitely almost. doesn't have that butter flavor. it doesn't have the butter flavor it's it's lighter very lighter in mouthfeel yeah it almost i mean i i get the you know, I, I mentioned pencil shavings. I'm going to mention another cliched wine. Please. Uh, fresh cut grass. Oh, a little bit of fresh cut grass. Yeah. Sure. Tastes like a mowing the lawn in my mouth. Mm. This is fantastic. Very good. Yeah. Easy to drink. Um, Bill made some pigs in a blanket that we <laughs> have. Did, we're did. not going to we're not going to chew them on the mic. Just just so you know that we 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 are we've gotten good enough at this podcast that we try to prepare yeah. uh, because this episode oh yeah and we're gonna get it, we're getting this. an episode right now but as you said the song scenes from an italian restaurant mm-hmm. is in this episode and and what are the what's the first the lyrics it's, the opening lyrics you know, bottle, bottle of white, white bottle, bottle of red, red and uh then it continues it says perhaps some rosé instead which at, uh you know shout out to our instagram and social handle which is at rosé at rosé instead at rosé underscore instead on instagram um, 
but yeah, so you know, in honor of that, we are attempting to uh, honor that by drinking a third bottle. That's today, right. Uh, which is probably not a great idea. Nope. But uh, before we were about to record this podcast, I realized uh, we both had empty stomachs, so I made yeah. some pigs in the blanket because yeah. we'll, yeah. this this could literally be uh, pretty bad. This could be what they call a bad idea. Yeah. Um, uh, we also have some ribs in the oven. We got a, we got a whole little Sunday supper thing happening. But let's get into the stranger. Okay, yeah. let's set the table very briefly before we get into the tracks. So the stranger fifth album by Billy Joel. Yes, came out in September seventy seven. Uh, both of you and I are September birthdays. So this, yeah, this I, I want to point out. This is uh, nineteen days after you were born. Yes, that this is album true. Came out. That is true. Yeah, which is wild. Yeah, uh, um, we've both aged like fine wines. Yes, indeed. Um, this is also the first album that Billy Joel had produced by Phil Ramone. Yes, um, famed lead singer of the Ramones. That is incorrect. That's incorrect. Yes. That's Johnny Ramone. Uh, yes. Yes, this is uh, Phil Ramone. Phil Ramone is actually Phil Ramone. Is a very we can kind of talk. Uh oh, it's the wine cops. Uh, yeah, wine cops. <laughs> wine, wine cops. <laughs> what are you gonna do? We're recording this in New York City. There's sirens all the time. Gonna, anyway, yeah, continue. <laughs> That's our new thing. Every time a siren interrupts <laughs> this, we just start singing wine cops. Wine, wine cops. What you um, gonna? <laughs> ridiculous. Okay, so, so Phil Ramone. Phil Ramone yeah. um, well, a little bit of background. What's interesting, and we can go into this. Phil yeah. Ramone, not Billy Joel's first choice to produce this album. No, like his third or fourth choice. Yeah. But I would say Phil Ramone is probably the final ingredient, mm-hmm. including you know the, his backing band and including yep. his New York setting. Phil Ramone is that final ingredient that locked in the Billy Joel we know and love. Yes, and I- there would be like Billy Joel and Phil Ramone. I think from this point on, I don't know if every single album he produced, but. He- this was a, his producer. Yeah, this was his producer. This is kind of like when Billy Joel, when it all sort of crystallizes for him. Yeah. So, so this is right after Turnstiles. Mm-hmm. Uh, Columbia. Columbia? That's who it was on? CBS. 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 Yeah. CBS. Uh, they were threatening to drop him. Yeah. They were like, you need to have an album that hits. Yeah. And he goes through to record things. Um, he wanted to use his backing band. Mm-hmm. He used. His, yeah. Well, he's putting together his ba- his touring band. He's putting together his touring. He has right. his touring band so put it's together. Liberty DeVito, uh, Doug, Doug, Doug Stegmaier, and Richie Canada. Richie Canada. So those those are his dudes. Yeah. Um, you know they're his E Street band. Yep. And yeah, he kind of had figured out his sound was based around them, and yeah. he was starting to write songs for them. So going into this album, he really wanted to record with them. Yeah. His first choice was legendary Beatles producer George Martin. Mm-hmm. George R.R. R. Martin, the George guy that wrote <laughs> Game of Thrones. Right. Is that is that the same guy? That, that was it. And, was and, it. and he said, instead of your backing band, let's get some White Walkers yep. and some Targaryens. Yep. And uh, uh, what about instead of The Stranger, The, dra- <laughs> the Dragon? The Dragon. Mm-hmm. What about? <laughs> yeah. Strangers of Winter's Passing. <laughs> okay. So not... Uh, um, not George R. R. Not Martin. George R. Martin. George, George Martin, Martin. He's the he's Sir George Martin. Sir George Martin, the uh, Beatles producer. Beatles producer. Yep. Which uh, you know yep. we we talked about this in our very first episode. But Joel, big Beatles fan. You you yeah, he, you hear course. it through his music. You hear it a lot on the first album. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he turns to George Martin, um, and then and George Martin, his his first choice. You know, producers and records are very interesting. They're essentially like directors in film. I would say. 
Like it, it's a yeah, very they're, they're different. Kinda, yeah, they're kind of like putting all the ingredients together. Yeah, to get they're a the one product. that are basically like, here's an artist. I'm gonna get them to record the version of the album that I see in my head. Yes. And George's first take, hot take, mm-hmm. was to get session musicians yep. and not his backing band. Which Joel was not into. He was not into. Because he wanted, he's building, you know, the sauce and he has the sauce yeah. with these guys. So, yeah. Because of that, um, we end up uh, with Phil Ramone. And, yeah. Uh, well, he also, okay, so, okay, so I, I, I had another producer in my head. During Turnstiles, he mm-hmm. wanted to work with, uh, uh, Jim Guercio, mm-hmm. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Yeah, um, he did Chicago's albums. Yeah, um, I think he did some Elton John. He did Elton John. Yeah. He did some Elton John. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Billy Joel didn't like working with him, and yeah. then he wanted to go to George uh, Martin, Martin. Yeah. and then he eventually ended up with Phil Ramone. Yeah, because Phil Ramone at that point had been doing Paul Simon records. Yep, and uh, they've been very successful. So, yeah. anyway, let's. I, I say let's get into the music. Let's I think, get into the music. I think we'll get more details. That's our little background here. Um, we are way past the. Um, already ripped days and into the Phil Ramone era. So, yeah. uh, what's... oh, also the okay. So yeah, first one. Um, Joel Joel's back on the East Coast. They recorded this yeah. album in New York City. First song, straight out of the gate, coming out swinging. Here we go. <laughs> yep. So moving out. Yeah. Anthony's song. So you say first song, but yeah. there's a a, a little kind of intro that i would say counts as a song as well right i don't know what you speak of the the stranger theme oh does that not play before moving out that does not play before moving out not on not on the you're right i'm sorry so i okay so interestingly i yeah. always just it, i assumed it bookended the album this is an interesting thing yeah. because there because at the end, we'll get to this but at the end of the album we have the stranger reprise, 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 yeah, and it's not on all the versions. No, but it's so I don't know if it bookends the album. It would it actually doesn't. be very cool if it would. It, it'd actually be very cool, which is interesting because like I, you almost think, okay, this isn't a concept album, but it almost feels like cool. The plan is start with a stranger, mm-hmm. and then end with the kind of reprise of it. Right. But the stranger is not. A peppy song and I, I think maybe it was Phil Ramone maybe it was someone else but like moving out that's the right choice to start the album yeah yeah I mean like we just heard it's just peppy it's so good it, it kind of hits you yeah 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 so let's uh, okay so um, I feel like that song is very classic mm-hmm. classic Joel um, and also we talked about this uh, we talked about this you know in um, first episode yeah. of kind of the, the Joel being so uh, uh, so tied to and associated with New York, mm-hmm. um, you know this this song is basically talking about I, uh, what I get from it. Yeah, um, is you're talking about moving up in the world. You and I both live in New York. You know that like there's a thing of like trying to make it here, mm-hmm. trying to buy a place, and then you know he says like uh, what is the line um, you. What uh, a house out in Hackensack is that all you get for your money? Right. And so he's like, if that's moving up, I'm moving out. Right. This seems like a New York East Coast struggle kind of song. Yeah. So I think Anthony worked at the grocery store, which mm-hmm. is the first line. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it's 
it's supposed to be Long Island, and it's like I would I see him as post high school. Maybe he's like in that gap year of college. Maybe he didn't go to college, and yeah, he's starting to see. Oh, <clears throat> if you stay in Long Island, if you stay in the suburban life, where does it lead you? Oh, yeah. it, it leads you on this very kind of mannered course that will end up. It's like, oh, cool, you're just gonna end up in the same place as your parents. And yeah. he obviously does not want that, and uh, it's him kind of declaring his freedom. Yeah. So this. Oh, so interesting thing. I mean, from uh, the great, uh, the great info source called Wikipedia. Mm. It the track details the singer's disgust with upperly mobile bourgeois oh, yeah. aspirations of working and middle class, lower middle class New Yorkers who take pride yeah. in working their long out, working long hours, um, and uh, to afford outward signs of making it. Right. Like you said, which um, I honestly like. That to me defines what Long Island is and what it was. Like yeah. the dream of Long Island, which was like post World War II, mm-hmm. was that it was like the two cars in every garage. Like, you know, we can do it. You can have this, you know, house with a lawn. You can show off. You can have this a like, lawn. Lawn. <laughs> a house with a lawn. You get a house with a lawn. <laughs> you drive it up the LIE to your house with a lawn. Hey, get on the LIE. Stop off in uh, Rakankama. <laughs> Is Rakankama giving a place in Long Island? Yeah, that is a... Rakankama. Get off in Mineola, get you a black and white cookie. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah, so... Um, get off in Carl's Nest or whatever it's get, called. Get, get off in Carl's... Carl. No, there's a, song, there's a town in Long Island called Carl's something. Really? Carl Carl's Jr.? No. It's, um. <laughs> anyway, uh, but yeah, that that's, that's the Long Island thing, which is like, you live there... You get a job in the city. You commute on the LIR. Take the train in. And he, this Anthony character, is like, nah, fuck that. Uh, I'm, I'm moving out. That, Car- that kind of like Carl's Fence. No, no, that's that's a fence company in Long Island. Anyway, let's continue. Um, <laughs> Sorry, it might be Carl with a K. I, I don't know. Uh, who knows? Anyway, um, yeah. So that that you know, that's the character's point of view. He doesn't want to like you know work his ass off in some office and get a heart attack. Mm-hmm. Ack, ack, ack. So. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but it, it, it's it's very classic Billy Joel in the way that we say, you know, he uh, is, you know, Billy Joel is incredibly wealthy now because he's incredibly successful. Yes. And, and like we said at the beginning, this album sold. It's his best selling album ever. I think it was CBS's best selling album ever. Yeah. Um. But it. Uh. But Joel still the same as Spring, same as Bruce that we mm-hmm. talked about. You know, he really, um, he really is a part of the 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 blue collar kind of cry you know yeah. he's the thing of like it's like he understands the blue collar working man he understands that you know you're you're here um slogging along doing your job and i would even say that the msg concerts now are mm-hmm. almost kind of a celebration of that because it's like you 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 take the train in yeah and you go to msg and then you see this like billy joel it's it's all part of the billy joel mythology right and it's crazy that this is over 40 years old now. Um, also, so moving on, before we move on, I, I, I just wanted to um, play a, a sample from the end of the song. Um, yeah. I think this is kind of interesting, and this is like, this speaks very much to the album um, in general. So yeah. this is from this is about like 20 seconds from the end. No, I should, I should go back. Okay. There's a long fade out. I think I know. Yep. So 
see if you can hear that. That car. Yeah. So it's a very theatrical. He's moving out. He's you getting know, in his car. He's going. You can hear it. Now, you know what that car is? No, that that's Doug Stegmeyer's uh, Corvette. That's awesome. It's Stegmeyer. It's yeah. the basis. Doug Stegmeyer. It's his Corvette. It's a yeah. '60s vet. I don't know what, what which uh, vet it is, which yeah. year. But yeah, there's a picture I found on Instagram. We'll put it up. Uh, there's a picture of him and Billy Joel standing in front of Doug's vet, and they used his vet. They recorded it pulling out. Also, yeah. um, if you are familiar with the uh, maybe somewhat canceled uh, uh, rap group Das Racist. Uh huh. Um, great group. Just one of the guys kind of got canceled. They have oh. off one of their early mixtapes. Great, great song. Yeah. Yeah, the song "You Ought to Know." Das Race has sampled that. Yeah. I'm sure that this song has been sampled in in uh, yeah. So many places. Well, it's funny. I, I mean, I just want to point out. <clears throat> so this is 1977. This came out. Yep. Um, so that's when I came out to the world as a, oh, as a true. human. <laughs> not, <laughs> not, not, not about my sexuality. Right. You just kn- like, you knew in the delivery room. <laughs> I, I did. I was like, you were like, I'm <laughs> also <laughs> mom, dad, mom, dad. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. No, that's when I was introduced. Anyway, continue. Um, so 1977, I, I yep. love the I, the concept of like, we're going to put sound effects of a car in here. And that's totally. a very 70s album totally. type thing. And I almost wonder, um, I'm playing right now a sample. This is uh, Pink Floyd, Welcome to the Machine off of 1975's Wish You Were Here. Okay. Uh, well, as you're, as you're looking for that, I will say on the 45 single version of this yeah. song, they took out the car. So this is the end of uh, Welcome to the Machine. You okay. can hear in the background someone opening a car, getting in, and then driving off. This is wow. very similar. Yeah. And I always just thought it was just funny. Is like, I don't know. You could make like a mixtape of songs <laughs> that have cars. Oh, there's there's yeah. tons that I think that maybe on Arcade Fire in the suburbs. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's a car one, but there's definite um, ones. There's a Childish Gambino song mm-hmm. where he gets in. You hear him open the car, get in, start the ignition, and the radio turns on, and then yeah. the song starts playing. It's just it's like it's a great trope. It is. It reminds me almost. It's like a Simpsons joke. I think they use it many times. Where like they're having a conversation, and someone goes, "Uh." I need to get something out of my car and you just hear like <laughs> footsteps and then a car turning on and then driving off. Amazing. The, the character's like, I don't think he's coming back. Um, okay. So right. uh, it, as happens on this show, there's so much to talk about. So much uh, we're already about. behind schedule. We got to keep moving. Yeah, we're about halfway through this bottle of wine. Yep. Yep. Um, um, but let's move on to, okay. um, the to the, to the namesake of the album. Yeah. Here we go. You know what song it is, everybody. Mm-hmm. It is The Stranger. So <laughs> the song I thought the album started with. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I don't think you would be wrong in that, you know, if it was like, that would be actually be a great way to start the album. Yep. We should get in touch with Billy Joel and be like, hey, we, we have we have an idea for you years later. Yeah. Um, so hey, Billy's version. So starts with some whistling. Mm-hmm. Kind of what it reminded me of. So I, I love whistling and rock songs. Yeah, um, I know what you're going to say. Well, I think you don't know what I'm going to say, but I know what you think I'm going to say. You think I'm going to say... Civil War. 
No, I was going to say, I was I was actually going to say Wind of Change by the Scorpions. Oh, I thought you were going to say Guns N' Roses Civil War. Well, there's also Guns N' Roses Patience, which is, I would I would oh, argue, yeah. Guns N' Roses' <clears throat> most famous whistler song, but Axel sure. is a great whistler. Sure, of course. And do you, do you know the song Wind of Change by the Scorps? I don't. It's an 80s song. Um, I, only, a, I know Rocky like a hurricane. Rocky, yeah, it. yeah, yeah. It's an 80s song by the Scorps. It's about... Um, you call I think, them the Scorps? Yeah, yeah, the Scorps. Are you that cool? Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, uh, it's, it's definitely, I think it's about, uh, the cold war. Um, wow. yeah, I think it's about the cold war. Um, and an interesting time to be talking about that because we're yeah. in the middle of, you know, other news, but this is, this is when it changed by the scorpions, you know, more whistling yeah. Andrew, Andrew bird, also a great whistler. Anyway. Yeah. The Stranger. Um, so yeah, this yeah. song, I would say Joel has such a good way of being uh, social commentary, social human commentary, and this song is exactly that. Yeah. It's, it's. I mean, let's let's talk about like some of the lyrical content of the song. Sure. Um, so, you know, he talks about how we all have this stranger inside mm-hmm. of us. Yeah. And do you? <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Bill. Bill. Uh, I have to explain this, right? Uh, no, we all know what the stranger is, right? Oh, about the. You can explain it. I know what you're talking about. About 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 sitting on your hand. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Just Google the stranger. I. You can explain it if you want. If you sit on your hand. For a long enough time, it gets numb, and uh, and if you pleasure yourself, it feels like uh, someone else is doing it. Yeah, I don't think anyone ever talked about the fact though of what your hand feels like though. Like it, it feels like you, it like you gain something with the stranger <laughs> with something pleasuring you, but uh-huh. you you kind of you lose a hand. Yeah, I don't know how you're like able to grip and, <laughs> and do the necessary. It's just like a dead hand. Yeah, it's more like it's more like the zombie. <laughs> yeah, it's the zombie. Let's uh, rename it. Okay, so the lyrics: We all have a face. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we all have a face that we hide away forever, and we take them out and show ourselves when everyone has gone. Some are satin, some are steel, some are silk, and some are leather. Mm-hmm. They're the faces of the stranger. Feels like a. Edgar Allan Poe poem almost, yeah, you know, it does. Also, also it should be said. I mean, I know people listening to this probably mm-hmm. know the song, but like major shift from what we heard to when the song picks up. Yeah. Like you have this, then you're, and then we're into just freaking. Yeah. This is, which is interesting because I good seventies rock right here. I could see this as the first track on the album. Absolutely. Yeah. But it's interesting because it has that long intro. Yeah. Totally. But, so this is, yeah. this is Joel. Joel is is messing around. Yeah. But also like he's in the pocket. Oh, hundred percent. So in the pocket. I mean, the, the we're two songs in. They're both they're both staples of radio. Yeah. So absolutely. two songs in. Yep. And I think we'll find that like I I kind of think I've heard every single song of this on the radio. But anyway, we'll get yeah. to that. A lot of singles in the lyrics mentions wearing different faces for people which you know the the imagery that immediately comes to mind is like putting on a mask mm-hmm. and just wanted to talk about the uh, album cover because it's pretty interesting that it's way more than his other album covers which were either I'm just trying to think like piano man <laughs> piano man, man is a, when he looks like a lion king yeah, or or like uh, poltergeist. <laughs> poltergeist. Um, yeah, 
And then Inigo Montoya for uh, Inigo Montoya for uh, Cold Montoya Spring Harbor. For Cold Spring Harbor. Uh, Turnstiles is like his Broadway show poster. Yeah. When he's got all the characters. It's yeah. like Turnstiles. Yeah. Well, which is interesting because Turnstiles, we didn't talk about it, but like it's the beginning of like the tableau. Okay. And like the album cover is a tableau. So of, it's like a turnstiles. Well, it's a staged picture that has right. like meaning and you kind of do it. And, and I feel like the stranger is the same thing. Like mm-hmm. there's boxing gloves hanging on the wall behind him. You know, he's, he's on the bed. It's, it's posed. The light is very, you know, almost like German expressionism. It's, What's also it's, interesting is his shadow in the picture. I mean, it's the way the lighting is, but it's interesting because his shadow is, is cast way behind him. Yeah. It almost looks like it's coming up on him. And one thing I thought about when I was listening to the lyrics of the stranger is, you know, the concept of the shadow, Carl Jung, the yeah, shadow. Yeah. yeah. The concepts of the shadow of shadow boxing. Yeah. Um, it looks like his shadow is like coming at him. And so interesting. The, just the, the whole thing of the stranger you say shadow boxing and there's boxing gloves. There are boxing gloves as yeah. well. So like there is kind of a thing of like facing your darker side in this. Yeah. And it's like, do you ever face your darker side? Interesting. Yeah. So you know what would make this like the perfect tableau. What's that? If he was sitting on his hand. <laughs> Well, we all have a hand, and sometimes we can sit on it. <laughs> Imagine we we mentioned Pink Floyd. Imagine if like someone <laughs> they say, "All right, you want to do the Stranger to yourself? Put on Billy Joel's The Stranger. Sit on your hand for the uh, forty three minutes and eleven seconds of the album, and that's it. When that <laughs> when it's done, when that's no, but when that's done." Start Wizard of Oz right when the color comes in, <laughs> and then just and then just go nuts, and then just enjoy enjoy yourself, and just enjoy yourself. Uh, oh my gosh, what a song! Okay, so wait a couple uh, very quick because mm-hmm. we're, we're we're running short on time, but a couple very quick facts about this song. Mm-hmm. Um, the whistling Billy Joel actually wanted it to be a wind instrument, possibly a clarinet, mm-hmm. possibly a flute. In uh, a way, it is. What's that? In a way, it is. Whistling it's the is wind. A... Well, so he demonstrated that he was like, "I want it to be a wind instrument, like this," and um, <laughs> just like. <laughs> and Phil Ramone's like, "Got it, got it." Say like, what? I was recording. It's done. I put it in my iPhone. What's that? Wait forty years. <laughs> um, <laughs> Phil Ramone's a time traveler. Yeah, it's a time traveler. Okay. Um, uh, no, but Phil Ramone uh, was like, "Nope, we're using your whistle." So he's like, we're not doing it. So that goes with the director producer mm-hmm. thing. Um, also, um, it was featured at the end credits of uh, the stand, Stephen King's The Stand. I saw that. And uh, the new one though, which is the not, new one, yeah, yeah, yeah. not not the the nineties one, is that the original? And then yep. uh, Snoop Dogg also sampled it and the shiznit. in the Shiznit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, great, great song. Look it up. Anyway, the stranger. I I feel like we could do an entire episode on this song. Mm-hmm. It's it's. So good. Yeah. He used to be a great romancer. Then he came home to a woman that he couldn't recognize. When mm-hmm. I pressed her for a reason, she refused to even answer. It was when I felt the stranger kick me right between the eyes. Yeah. I think it's it's true. Like sometimes you the fake version of yourself becomes more real than the real version. Yes. And you yes. can't kind of relegate the two. And it's like you ever see uh Synodoke, New York? Uh no the uh, I I actually have not seen the entire movie yeah but it's a uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman yeah uh, Charlie Kaufman mm-hmm. yep he, um, Charlie Kaufman uh uh is, is a uh, Gabby Hoffman she's not in it anyway <laughs> just trying to find something that rides with that continue okay I, well th- I mean that movie's about 
many, many things and it's incredibly like dense, but like, yeah, one of the things is like the versions of ourselves we begin to have playing ourselves sometimes have their own lives and Mm -hmm. interactions with other people's other versions and like you're never yourself and it's like a very Mm -hmm. kind of trippy way to think about it but anyway i would say last last thing i'll say and then Mm -hmm. we can move on uh that i think that's the key to life right there thomas merton talks about trying to find the true self yeah underneath all these masks you're wearing uh thomas merton the great monk um yeah monk and writer but yeah i mean i think that's what this song is about it's billy joel's existential like who are you? You'll yeah. never get away from this. You may never understand how the stranger is inspired. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, and it talks about your deepest desires, your darkest desires. That's what it's, it's all what life is. It's anyway, um, moving on before I, mo- I, I like this entire podcast should be called before we move before on. Before we move on. And it's eight hours long. Yeah, exactly. Um, I just want to point out, I know obviously I made a mistake <laughs> earlier in thinking this was the first song, but I'm just going to put more evidence out there mm-hmm. that it wasn't a mistake mm-hmm. and that y'all are wrong. <laughs> but Stranger was the first single yes. from the album. The B-side was moving out, Anthony's song. Whoa. So think about that. You got your first track on the album is the B-side to wow. the second track. Dude, so, crazy. Also, what two two huge bangers. Well, it's funny. Like Billy Joel, we, we noticed that... It, on other albums for singles, he didn't really have B sides. Yeah, like yeah. there were no non-album tracks. Mm. He left it all on the on the wax. Yeah, left it all on, left it all on the table. Um, okay, all right. Um, so uh, next album, the next, uh, the next album. You know, getting rid of the mask and the stranger. Mm-hmm. We're looking at just the way you are. Starting out. I think that's a synth. I think that's just what we're looking at. It sounds like a vibraphone to me, but there's it's not a vibraphone. It sounds like a, like a Rhodes piano. Yeah, it does sound like a Rhodes. You're right. It probably has a Rhodes. It, this was actually his first gold single in the U.S. Mm-hmm. He also won Grammys for this song. Two Grammys. It's an amazing song. And it's, it's ballad territory, but it's yeah. also like... And I, this is where you kind of have to ask yourself, what is the influence of the producer because this is a ballad. Mm-hmm. It's obviously played on a keyboard of some kind, but not on a piano. And mm. I wonder if this had been like an earlier album, maybe it, it wouldn't have been on the, the, I think it's, I think it's Rhodes, but it wouldn't have been on an electric piano. Right. <clears throat> and I wonder if it would have been as good. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I I don't think it. There's something about the warmness of that. If it is a Rhodes, mm-hmm. that I that it's a shift in the album already. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. so I don't know if it would have been as good. I think you kind of need that there. Um, uh, in I guess he went on Stern in yeah. 2010 and said the inspiration for writing it um was taken from a uh, Ragdoll from Funky Valley. Okay. Um. And he said it um, It was also a larger inspiration for, or he also, th- that inspired Uptown Girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he had written this song mm-hmm. uh, for his first wife. Um, and uh, they didn't, he didn't like it. And so. Uh, Elizabeth. Elizabeth, yeah. yeah. So then he made it part of The Stranger later. Um, and then. Uh, yeah, Fender Rhodes. I was right. Yeah, it was a Fender Rhodes. Yeah. Um, although later Phil Ramone said that wasn't true. So <laughs> I don't oh, know. Okay. Um, 
What did what did Phil Ramone say it was? Phil Ramone uh, said, stated in an interview said um, he contradicted Joel's claim, huh. stating in an interview uh, that they could not afford to exclude the song because Joel did not have that much material from which to choose for the album. The song, yeah. So, uh, huh. yeah. So I think maybe he had a. Uh, um, I think that they had thought about taking it off and then Joel was saying they were going to take it off. And then mm-hmm. Phil was like, no, we weren't going to take it off because oh, we, we had to keep it on the album. Um, it's only a nine song album. Really? When you look at it, yeah. you know, um, anyway, well, the, as we'll learn, the next song is a, a lengthy one. So one thing that we should also, um, we should mention is, you know, Joel, uh, we've talked a lot about his banter in live shows and just how he like jokes around about stuff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this song um, was written for his first wife after they divorced. It says that his drummer, uh, uh, Liberty DeVito, he would parody the lyrics to Billy Joel as instead of just like, I love you just the way you are. She'd say she got the house. She got the car. Okay. Kind of a mean joke. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, great song. Yeah. Um, I mean, not much else to say about it except it's, I mean, it, it's... It's his first gold record. First gold record. Um, one of his, I would say, it won two Grammys, one of his most like uh, famous songs, you know? Yeah. I mean... Um, go ahead. I want to talk almost about the uh, the saxophone solo that comes in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I feel like... Yeah. Right there. I mean, that's just in the pocket. Totally. It's great. I don't know where we are with saxophone solos in music at that point, because I feel like oh. they, they were a big 80s thing. Yeah, I think, I think they're kind of becoming prevalent. Again, I think now they're starting to get used. Oh yeah, more. yeah. Well, there was a weird period where it was like cheesy to uh, bottle of seltzer, bottle of seltzer because uh, I had some wine. There, it's like it, I felt like in the '90s it was like cheesy to have a horn section, but then yeah. I think now it's back. A bunch of people like grew up playing in bands with horns, and now they're like they're back. Yeah, <laughs> for a while it was just ska music. <laughs> um, you know that that uh, so the horn guy. Mm-hmm. Phil Woods was the saxophone solo. He yeah. played for Steely Dan and Paul Simon. That's right. Which makes sense because right, he's 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 a Phil Ramone guy. Right. Yeah. Um. Um. Amazing song. Incredible song. W- won tons of tons of awards. Uh. Not much else to say about it except it's great. I like this. I I think ballads are probably hit or miss for me. Yeah. Um. Because I think a lot of times it's it's more about the lyrics and the sentiment, but I think this is just a, such a good song. Like it just it feels sweet and nice. Yeah, yeah, great. All right, let's move on. <laughs> I just started talking. No, I I no. Listen, I same way. I, it, I, it's soft and it's sweet, and I knew it complete when I wore a younger man's clothes. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. All right. Um, um, I just want to say I'm I'm very much enjoying this wine. Yeah, me too. I feel like one of the, the we're still figuring out this podcast, folks. What is this? What are we even doing? We're five here? episodes in. Yeah. Um, figuring out. No, I I feel like I, we should just bring up the wine every so often, or just have yeah. wine facts. I don't know. It's I mean it's good. I I like Italian whites. It almost reminds me of like a like a Gavi de Gavi 
Ooh, Gavi to Gavi. That sounds like a gangster. It's yeah, it's it's, it's a gangster. He, he brings you wine. No, it's just like a very like <laughs> wine cups, wine cups. <laughs> anyway, I will say we I listened to one of our old episodes. Um, yeah, and uh, we we went hardcore into Bit Town, and so we got oh, it. We you know, um, but but uh, I love bits. I love bits, but you know sometimes you gotta you gotta stay on track. Sometimes you gotta um, bite the bullet. Sometimes you gotta bit the bullet. Boo! Um, this is uh but yeah, it's a very good wine. Mm-hmm. Um and uh it's made from the Vernaccia grape, which we knew in the Italian hill town mm-hmm. of San Gimignano mm-hmm. in Tuscany. So wow. Great wine. Pick you up one if you can. Yeah. Order it from Celery Wines. Uh you know, if you use the code Rose instead, you get ten percent off your wine order from Celery Wines. That's amazing. Yeah, and I think don't quote me on this, but I think they're still doing some free delivery in uh, New York City. That's fantastic. Hit them up. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the end of side one. Yeah. Running a little long, but that's okay. Uh, the namesake of our podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of my favorite Billy Joel songs, if not my favorite Billy Joel song. Yep. You um, know what it is. Oh, goodness. Longer intro than I thought. Mm-hmm. There we go. There he goes. Bottle of white. Yep. Follow us at Rose instead on Instagram. <laughs> um, yeah. So scenes from an Italian restaurant. Yeah. Uh, I one of it's hard to say one of the most famous Billy Joel songs because it is, but he has so many famous songs. Yeah. But I this is this is another song that is. Um, a great karaoke song. Yes. Um, fantastic karaoke. A long karaoke song. A, well, a, a choice because it's over seven minutes long. If you're what is it. wild to me, and I have very distinct memories of this. You know, I used to stay up late listening to the radio, uh-huh. the FM radio, when I would go to sleep. I'd have like a little radio and headphones, and I'd go through the stations. And like, obviously, like classic rock was where they played Billy Joel, but also sometimes on like the oldie station or that, mm-hmm. but I was blown away. There was like this song and Bohemian Rhapsody and mm-hmm. like Jessica by the Almonds where it's like just a fucking long epic song, yet it was played in its entirety on the radio. Mm. Uh, Paradise by the Dashboard Light, Meatloaf, Rest in Peace. That yep. was another one. But it's like the, one of those things where like you listen to the radio and you just hear this like oh cool i'm going on a journey november rain i would say november a, rain a, a, is one. a later version of one of those yeah. yeah and it's crazy because you don't expect that you know it's like eating up time on the radio mm-hmm. for them they're not selling as much ads but like these are you know songs that constantly appear and are just part of culture at this point i think this song is like 100% that. Absolutely. Now we talked about this with Anthony's song, but um, this song as well is a uh, it's a story song. Yeah, it's got characters in it. Um, it uh, it it actually there is a real Italian restaurant mm-hmm. that he so there was an Italian restaurant that was like across from Carnegie Hall where he was playing at the time. Yeah, and um, him and Phil Ramone. That's where they met. That's yeah. They would meet up and talk about the album, and mm-hmm. so it's based on. Uh, we'll we'll find the name of that actual Italian restaurant. It's uh, Fontana di Trevi. Fontana di Trevi. Trevi yeah. Trevi Fountain is in Rome. Is that where it is? Um. Yeah, I believe so. 
So yeah, fun so, time. So, but that's called, according Trevor's to Joel, and this is this is true that he was there. It might not have been the time he was there with Phil Ramone, but he was at the restaurant, and um, a waiter came by and he said, "A bottle of red, a bottle of white, whatever kind of mood is you're in tonight." And that was actually no way said to him by a waiter. That's amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, wow. Yeah. So uh, he said, I guess he said in other interviews that it. it it's an amalgam of a bunch of different restaurants, but that that was definitely one of the ones in his mind. So I think, like for all intents and purposes, like Fontana di Trevi is the Italian restaurant from scenes from an Italian restaurant. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm looking on Wikipedia, and there's a picture on the back cover of the Stranger LP. I love that picture. Uh, so, it's, it's like a bunch of it's a bunch of mooks. Yeah, it's, it's a like of, a, it's bunch a bunch of, of mooks. dudes. Like someone isn't someone like in a Yankees jersey and yep. like yeah. Yep. It says the back cover depicting the band members seated at the former Guido's restaurant in Manhattan. And yeah. However, this restaurant was not the inspiration for the song. Right. It's an Italian restaurant, but it's not at Fontana de Trevi. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, a bunch of mooks. Joel in a white suit oh, no, with I'm a black shirt up. and a tie. Joel does not look happy in that picture. <laughs> it's hard to tell when Joel's happy. Yeah. You know? I think he's just always thinking about the music. Yeah. That's what it is. Um, the the, I mean, what's crazy is the song has four or five parts. Like you've got the beginning yeah. in the Italian restaurant, and then you go into basically Dixieland jazz. Yeah. Um, and well, it's, so it's funny we talked about like you know George Barton was almost the producer of this album and I find that interesting. Did you say George Barton. George Barton. George Barton. No, George Martin. George R. R. Martin. George R. R. Martin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, George Martin was almost the producer of this album. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is this feels like an Abbey Road thing. This feels like mm. like one of those McCartney like suites that he does. Yeah, it's, it's, true. And I know that, like, I, I've read that it, it was written as two different songs that he kind of stitched together. So mm-hmm. it's The Ballad of Brendan Eddy, um, Things Are All Right in Oyster Bay, and Scenes from an Italian Restaurant. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like those came together to, to kind of create this epic, and it's great. Yeah. You all, and what's interesting is there's the piano solo in the middle. It says the piano solo is a fast piece uh, use of uh, transition, and it fra- between the framing of the story of the Italian restaurant and the high school days. And so he yeah. he um, it's crazy because he's like doing things with the piano to tie mm-hmm. these stories together. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's really great because like the 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 bridges that kind of tie each section together. Like I'm trying to think if I can I can pull one up. So there's another saxophone solo. But now listen to this part. Things are okay with me these days. I got a good job. I got a good office. I got a new wife. Got a new life. And the fact is fine. It's just, it, it, it sounds so interesting to hear these like transitional, like time signature changes. Yeah. And, you know, I mentioned prog rock, but like that's a very proggy type thing to do. Well, it's interesting because when I think of prog rock, you know, I think more of like guitars and stuff. It's almost like he's doing jazz prog rock sure. in a weird way. You know, um, can I tell you, I love this song. This is my favorite Billy Joel song. Apparently he said it's his favorite Billy Joel song. So like, you know, the master is at work. But right. <laughs> one part I always crack up on is right before he goes into one solo, he just goes, rock and roll. I know, I know, I know. He definitely does. He, uh, it made me think of like, I love when, <laughs> you know what that is? What? 
It's the equivalent of give me some reggae. It is. Guns N' Roses, give me some reggae. Um, same thing of when anyone is about to do a guitar solo and they're like, guitar solo. Yeah. yeah. Actually, my the one, worse than this one, this isn't even that bad. I think it's actually like warranted that he says rock and roll. Mm-hmm. The one that I always get angry at because it's just, it's wrong and also super pretentious mm-hmm. is on the YouTube um, Under a Blood Red Sky album. Play the blues, Edge. <laughs> yeah, it's like, all right, Edge, play the blues. And then he dis- does a decidedly not blues guitar yeah. solo. Yeah. <laughs> there's a, there's a, a stand up I know uh, named Casey Balsham who had a yeah. joke for a long time that she was, she was like in the, uh, Taylor Swift song, yeah. uh, Shake It Off. Yeah. She's like, when they get down oh to this sick beat, and then she's like, it's the lamest, most like high school cheerleader beat. It's not a sick beat at all. That, it's like, that's my ex, this girlfriend. She's like, it's the lamest. That most, song like, is a great catchy pop song yeah. that they, for some reason, inserted the dumbest shit into. It's for, so it's so obnoxious. And it's crazy because you're right. It's a good catchy pop song. Oh, it's great. All right. Back to the Joel. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this song is kind of like, it's kind of like a suite. I mean, it is like, no, it's, it's, it's his it's piano suite. Yeah. I mean, like, it's, um, uh, yeah, he said it's one of his favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, okay. Brenda and Eddie from yeah. this song became major characters in. Uh, oh, there was a, a Broadway production the called Moving, Moving Out. Out. Moving yeah. Out show. I wanted yeah. to talk about that too, but yeah, like, yeah, yeah, that was the jukebox musical about Billy Joel, and mm-hmm. like Brenda and Eddie were these characters yeah. in it. And I think that like, I don't know how you feel about jukebox musicals, but I, I one of the cool things about Billy Joel's songs and lyrics is you can kind of ascribe your own shit to it. Yeah. Anyway, so I, I always love the story of this um, song, and like I love the part where he's, he talks about, like, you know, they were the king and the queen of the village green, and they got a divorce as a matter of course. Mm-hmm. Um, then the king and the queen tried to go back to the green, but you can never go back there again. That, to me, is, like, such... I almost get chills hearing that line, because it's very, like... You can't go home again. It's like yeah, the, that bell has been rung. Yeah, you've you've moved past it, mm-hmm. and there's something very like sad about that. But then you add the layer of the fact that like these are other old friends reminiscing about this, mm. and it adds this like poignancy to the nostalgia that I think just like really works and really just kind of transcends just a story of like some. Long Island knuckleheads who got married too early. Well, that's the kind of thing that like we've talked about that he, you know, Billy Joel just has such a way of talking about this, like back home, mm-hmm. um, like being back home, Long Island, yeah. working class, you're sitting in your backyard, mm-hmm. you're hanging out kind of thing. And, um, to just it, there's there's very much like a working class hominess of of all of this. Yeah, and it's very relatable. Yeah, and you're right. Like a couple of knuckleheads that just got married, yeah. like got married too early. There's a, there's a song that I'm trying to think of right now, and I can't think about it. I think it's on Turnstiles, mm-hmm. and it's um, it's uh, it's not Summer Highland Falls. There's one where he's talking about 
being home and being in his room. Great Suburban Showdown. It's I think it's Great Suburban Showdown. Yeah. It's Great Suburban Showdown. It's yeah. not on turnstiles. It's just relatable. What What's great about it is it's so incredibly specific to the New York experience and like the Long Island, you know, suburbs of New York City. Yeah. That listening to it as a child, like I just related to it. But now I I just think it's it it doesn't matter who you are. You like you can relate to these mm. stories. And what's crazy too is you kind of get the parallel of moving out to this, which is like Brendan and Eddie did end up trapped in that life. Which life? Like, you know, the money got tight. They couldn't count on the tier. It's like they never, like they were, you know, they peaked in high school, Mm. which I think is like, that's the Long Island thing. It's like you peak in high school and you're like, great, I'm staying here. Mm. No need to get out. And like Anthony got out. Yeah. But these people did not get out. Do you think Anthony knew Brenda and Eddie? And he was like, we're friends, but I'm not going to. Not I think Anthony might be the person meeting his old friend at the Italian restaurant. That is one thing that I thought about listening to this album and that I like about these albums is there are interwoven stories that they are they're they're singular, mm-hmm. but there are interwoven themes and stories through a lot of his albums. Yeah. Almost kind of like a if you watch like Mr. Show. Like there's kind of sure. there's things that tie together. I mean, this I will say the stranger feels maybe Stormfront, but I think the stranger would win for most conceptual Billy Joel album. It, it feels. Absolutely. I mean, Absolutely. besides just the book ending or quasi book ending <laughs> parts, I think it it th- End this ending. this song cycle feels like it kind of has a a story. Yeah. Well, the last track that we'll get to is Everybody Has a Dream. Yeah. You know, like you get to a thing where like scenes from an Italian restaurant is people that had a dream and it just kind of didn't work out. And But again, it's not them. It's the people they're talking about. Right. Yeah, that's true. But just I just think that that's really an important. It just it, it exponentially improves the song because it's people talking about those people. If the song was just Brenda and Eddie there'd be a weird kind of like pity kind of looking down on people, but because it's like former classmates of Brendan Eddie reminiscing and catching up, there's something removed and you can kind of like, I don't know. To me, it's, it's a very literary smart move. Yeah. And it makes it his best song. Well, it's interesting because it's almost in a weird way. It's another take of, Piano Man, mm-hmm. where Piano Man is telling stories about the people in the bar. Right. So this is people at a restaurant telling stories about people that they knew. Yeah. Like you're kind of just and and in a weird way, the stranger is mm-hmm. a little bit like that, where the stranger is telling stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about it's themselves. About themselves. Yeah. It's like, have you ever done this thing? You okay. know. So. Well, on that note, I think I have about a sip left. Yeah, on this white. Me too. You have a sip left on this uh, sip uh, left. white. Yep. You got to turn these ribs over. Oof. And then we got to uh, get into not two. one, but we got to get into side two. Yeah. And then a bottle of red. And a bottle of rose instead. Instead. All right, let's uh, flip it over to side two. All right. This has been Bottle of White, Bottle of Red, hosted by Bill Granberg and Corey Cabin. The podcast is produced by Jeremy Balin. If you enjoyed this episode, check us out on the socials at. Rose instead. That's Rose underscore instead on Instagram and Twitter. 
The podcast is part of the Seltzer Kings Network. For more information on the wines featured in this podcast, check out celery.com. That's C-E-L-L-A-R-Y.com. Thanks for listening.